it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello and welcome to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Torella. And I'm your better, prettier, younger host, Tori. We're sisters who are obsessed with true crime and love gal palin with you about cases. You can expect the occasional curse word, lots of friends quotes, and all the 90s nostalgia. To get in on the conversation, check us out at killerqueenspodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Killer Queens Podcast. And we're on YouTube at Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. Okay, y'all, grab your Capri Suns or your Surge and let's talk about some true crime. Welcome back to Killer Queens episode Who Knows, but it's part two. (laughs) I know that. Yes, at least there's that. There's that. So last week we did, or yesterday or a minute ago, I don't know when you're listening. (laughs) It all depends, doesn't it? Yes. So I guess I don't know you, and I'm sorry that I tried to, like, project Presume. Oh. Yes. Yeah. I've started saying presume a lot lately because I've just recently discovered my dad wrote a porno, and apparently it's, like, been around forever, and everybody knows about it, and I'm just, I want to talk about it now, like, Heat from 1996 or whatever. (laughs) Um, But I love it. I can't stop listening to it, and now I'm saying words like presume. Yes, she's adding a lot to her vocabulary. Yeah, people will start to believe I'm smart. (laughs) I doubt that. Yeah, that's true. I'm probably using presume totally incorrectly. (laughs) Yes, you're presuming it wrong. (laughs) Exactly. But yeah, so last time, I'll say that. Part one, let's just say in part one. Yeah, okay, okay, in part one. See how not smart you are? Yeah. We talked about the Charles Ng and Leonard Lake case kind of like really getting, it was kind of like an overview, a little bit about how they met and then kind of ramping up into the investigation. But if you haven't listened, if you're like brand spanking new here, welcome aboard. Don't listen to this though. You, you will need to go back at least one because otherwise you'll just be lost. Yeah, like do it Brian McKnight style and start back at one. That's correct. Um, I dreamed about that song the other night. Did you like in my head? I really did. (laughs) I dreamed about She Never Lets It Go to Her Heart by Tim McGraw. I don't know why. That's a good one. I kind of forgot about that. I don't know where it came from. Oh, not even from that station you're listening to? No, it hasn't come on. It's just in your brain. Wow. I know. Just pulling one from the vault. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. So before we get to the case, as always, check out our Patreon if you want bonus episodes. So if you waited a week for part two, again, I don't want to presume anything, but (laughs) if 
you did wait a week for part two and you said, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I can't live like this anymore. I don't want to wait a week in between. Then go to the Patreon. You'll get it immediately. Yes. I presume that would be very exciting. (laughs) You're going to ruin it. (laughs) I did ruin it. I stepped right (laughs) on that, didn't I? (laughs) But there's that. And then also check out our other podcast, Oh Snapped. We're into season two now. Yes. You're going to like it. Or you won't. I I don't want to presume. I don't know. (laughs) Okay, we'll stop then. Okay, so now part two. Let's just get on with it. Yes. Yeah. This is quite enough. When police entered Lake's bunker, they immediately saw 21 pictures of women in different stages of undress taped up on the walls. They found a journal that talks about the collector and Lake's fantasies with the Miranda Project. This bothered everything inside of me. 21 women on the wall. And you kind of, the fear is, are these women still alive? Like, yeah. oh my gosh. And they don't know who they are. You know, there's like no names. It's just, he just basically refers to all of them as a Miranda. Just disgusting. Yes. And it's so crazy to me, uh, like unsettling and eerie to walk into and see all of these women just taped on the wall. It's yes. very much a horror movie. It really is. I mean, he took a lot out of, I feel like, The Collector and maybe some like other horror movies or something because, or I don't know, maybe the horror movies took it, took a page from this. I don't know. It's just, well, Ed Gein style, you never know. Right. I also wonder, I don't know if, if this is like a national chain or what, but you know, when you're driving down the interstate, I feel like when you're kind of in the middle of like Monegle and... Chattanooga, like kind of going down 24. There's those billboards for that adult bookstore called Miranda's, mm. you know? And it's just the picture of the the woman or whatever. And it says like, it's like Miranda's adult bookstore. Why Miranda? Yeah, that's weird. I'm starting to feel like, yeah, is that weird? Because the whole, the thing in the collector was the Miranda thing. And then he calls this the Miranda project. Like, I just wonder, Miranda is a... It's just a coincidence that an adult bookstore would be named Miranda's. It's not Belinda's. (laughs) Look at you. You haven't even Do you see what I did there? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, that's, I don't know. I just thought about that. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it is super weird. The investigators also found seven different sites on the property that appeared burnt and charred. In the burned areas, they found what appeared to be bone fragments. They ran the license plate of a truck on the property and found that it belonged to Lonnie Bond. Officers went next door to Bond's house and discovered that the house was empty and had been for a while, which was apparent from the rotted food. They said like as soon as they walked in, they could smell just like rotting food. Hmm. So it was like, They were either eating or, you know, were about to eat or whatever, and they left and just never came back. So, again, probably not planning to leave, right? Like, Right, obviously. Like, it's not like they went of their own volition, and it had been a while since they had been there. Yeah. Another vehicle on the property was found to belong to Scott Stapley. These guys, like, the thing about it is, I mean, I guess, unless... They got on law enforcement's radar, which actually Leonard Lake already was because he was a fugitive. But 
Like, I guess unless they knew where to look for him or whatever, which again, how would they not know that's where he lived? Couldn't they have just like freaking asked people that he knew? Like, I feel like it would have been that hard to find him. They could have even asked Jeeves. Yeah, they didn't ask anybody. They could have texted Cha-Cha. Exactly. They didn't even try anything. They could have called Miss Cleo. Yeah. They didn't fax anybody that I'm aware of. Mm -mm. No faxes. But like he he had been living on that property for a super long time. And it was a property that was his ex-wife's family's. Like he was renting it from them. But it's not like they couldn't, like if they had checked into any bit of his history or his personal life, like he's a wanted fugitive, they could have found him. Like it's not like he was living in the woods in a cabin that he found that was not connected to anybody. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. They could have found him there, but anyway. Such, well, there was such a paper trail. Like, he yes. did not do a very good job of completely being discreet about any of this. Like, Right. And then on top of that, they have everybody's cars that they killed on the property. Like, they're leaving. It's like they would make piles of stuff and they're like, okay, so if you're not sure who all we may have come into contact with. Here's everybody's personal effects. Here's all of their IDs. Here's all of their like, I don't know if they wanted to keep this stuff as trophies or if it just, they just figured this is way out in the middle of nowhere and nobody's ever going to find it. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's just weird. Super weird. Cadaver dogs were brought in and led the investigators to bones that were definitely not animal bones. And they knew that this was now a homicide investigation. Three days after Lake's suicide, a full-scale homicide investigation began, and the property was sectioned off with officers assigned to each section, and the whole property was searched thoroughly. About 100 yards from the bunker, there was a trench full of personal property, jewelry, buttons, zippers, etc., hundreds of pieces of evidence. Inside the bunker, they found a secret door. Behind that was a double door that led to a secret room. There was another closet-type area in there, with a wooden cot and a shelf with toiletries and toilet paper. There was a hole in the wall near the ceiling and stuck to one of the walls was a typed list of rules. Listen to this shit. This is typed. I don't think it's laminated, but whatever. (laughs) It could have been laminated. Yeah, number one, I must always be ready to service my master. I must be clean, brushed, and made up with my cell neat. Number two, I must never speak unless spoken to. Unless in bed, I must never look my master in the eye, but must keep my eyes downcast. Number three, I must never show my disrespect, either verbally or silent. I must never cross my arms or legs in front of my body or clench my fist, and unless eating, must always keep my lips parted. Ugh. What does that even mean? Yeah. Four, I must be obedient completely and in all things. I must obey immediately and without question or comment. Number five, I must always be quiet when locked in my cell. Number six, I must remember and obey any additional rules told to me. I must understand that any disobedience, any pain, trouble, annoyance caused by me to my master will be grounds for punishment. (sighs) I don't have, I don't have words. I don't either. This is the 
level of hypocrisy and the disrespect shown towards the victim mm-hmm. is insane. Yeah. It almost really sounds like that um, post that I don't remember where I found it, but it was on Facebook and it was like an excerpt from the 1960s sex ed book. Oh, sure. Doesn't yeah. it sound a lot like that? It's like, if your yeah. husband suggests any type of unusual behavior in the bedroom, show any reluctance you may have silently. Never expressing any disdain or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Set your set your alarm so that you wake a little before him so his tea can be ready. Don't put any face cream on until after he goes to bed. Don't shock the poor man. Right. And always be made up completely when he wakes up. Mm-hmm. So as, again, to not shock him. Right. And then if he wants to have sex, then you have to have sex. But don't make him have sex if he's too tired. If he's too tired, you let that man rest because he's busy and he's tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. He spent all day at the office drinking Manhattans or whatever, like in Mad Men and napping yeah. all day. They're like, and, well, 9.30, time for a Gibson. Yeah. And then banging everybody that he makes business deals with. Yes, and smoking in between. Yes. Ugh, whatever. I hate this. I hate everything about it. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. From the other side of the wall, you could see into the room through a two-way mirror. The whole place was dusted for fingerprints, but they found nothing. That's scary. How is that possible? How is that possible? Because there were people in there. Like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh. Along with the human remains, the police found five-gallon buckets buried on the property. Police also came across a corpse that was later identified as Randy Jacobson, who disappeared in October of 1984. And by this point, it's June of 85. Upon his arrest, Lake was found to be in possession of Randy Jacobson's bank card. Again, like, you're just... Hello. Yeah, over and over tying yourself to stuff. Jacobson's body and those of the other victims were found under the chicken coop on the property. And he was friends with Randy Jacobson. Like, again, people tied to him. I don't understand. 
Well, yeah. And I think that it was the most dangerous place to be, to be in any kind of connection with Leonard Lake. Yeah. Because there was no such thing as friends for him, unless you're talking about Charles Ng, I guess, but. And that was only because he was just as twisted as he was, you know? Exactly. Yeah. He probably was meant to be a victim. And then he was like, wait a second, you're fucked up. Let's hang out. Like. Right. I don't understand. I, d- I guess I'm not saying that the police did an absolute shit job here, but if Leonard Lake was wanted and every single person he knew just about was missing, like, no, no inklings here. Like, yeah, and there's like one super huge constant in all of this. And it's weird fucking lake. (laughs) And he literally, like, he'd been renting that property for a long time. So, like, when he went on the quote-unquote lamb from the law, he literally went home. So many air quotes from you. (laughs) I'm so mad. He went back home. That's all he did. So, like, go. (laughs) Well, we looked everywhere. (laughs) I know. It's like, well, we don't see him uh, here at the donut shop, so he must not be anywhere. Like, where did you look? Ooh, cheap shot. That was a cheap shot. I know, but whatever. Carl Fuck Winslow it. would not be okay with that one. Carl Winslow would have found him. That's true. Thank you very much. Carl Winslow doesn't put up with anybody's shit. He sure doesn't. It, this makes me so angry that I'm going to take a page from you and I'm going to come through this computer and I'm going to throw you out the window. I don't see what other choice you have. Because like, <laughs> what did they do? They did nothing. How many people died? Like I know, and no, nobody even knows. Yeah, it's not. It, it would be such a different story if he wasn't a wanted fugitive. You know, if he wasn't on the radar, that would be such a different story. But it's that's that's not what happened. I'm so mad. Mm-hmm. You're just going to get more mad, I think, and I just want you to know that now. That's true. I really need to tone it down because otherwise I'm going to burn my whole house down. And again, I don't have any other options. (laughs) Exactly. You need to work up to that. Yeah. One bucket contained envelopes that had the IDs of missing people. This hinted that there were as many as 25 victims. The other bucket contained Lake's diaries. All the sources call them journals, but Sloan says she's calling them diaries because he's a tool and I want it to sound more like a girly dear diary moment because I'm not sure that's what he would want and fuck him. (laughs) Damn right. Fuck him. Yes, exactly. He kept between 1983 to 1984 and two videotapes titled M Ladies. One tape was the recorded torture of Brenda O'Connor, and the other had recorded the torture of Deborah Dubs. It was said that Deborah's torture and assault was so intense that there was no way she survived it. On these tapes, though, they saw Charles Ng and now knew he was fully involved with all of this. Okay, not that I feel like Charles Ng should have any kind of like, I don't, I'm not defending him or taking up for him or whatever. However, what a shit thing to do to your friend. Like you, you get busted. You go ahead and take some cyanide pills and just take yourself out of the equation altogether. And then you leave evidence that implicates somebody else. You know what I mean? Like if I was Charles Ng, I'd be like, wow, thanks a lot, dude. Yeah. Cool. Well, he immediately like in the police car, he was like, "Um, you're definitely going to want to talk to Charles Ng. Bye. Like. Exactly. Yeah. And he (laughs) clearly knew it was like this day was, this was going to happen any day now, right? Because he had the pills sewn into his shirt. Yeah. 
Yeah. He was like, bye, Felicia. Yeah. Go look for Charles. It's Charles. Go look for Charles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you didn't hear this from me. It's Charles. <laughs> Using the videotapes, the authorities were also able to identify a 24-year-old man named Clifford Parento. They could only assume he was dead, unfortunately. Clifford had gone missing after winning $400 in a Super Bowl pool and had reportedly been last seen leaving a bar with Ng to celebrate his winnings. He was named in the charges against Ng. $400. You know they killed him for $400. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised it was that much, honestly. I know. That he Charles Ng was probably like, if he wins $5 or $100, like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to kill him about it. Like, exactly. no regard for human life. Clifford Parento had worked with Ng at a moving company, as did 25-year-old Jeff Gerald, who also disappeared. I am so fucking mad. Like, mm-hmm. how did they get away with this for, for that? That's 25 people over the course of two years. And they all were like, Everybody, people super they connected. With. Yes. <laughs> yes. <sighs> Neighbors, coworkers, friends, brothers. Brother, yeah. Oh my God. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. In his diaries, Lake wrote things like, God meant women for cooking, cleaning house, and sex. And when they are not in use, ew, they should be locked up. And if you love something, let it go. If it doesn't come back, hunt it down and kill it. Mm -mm. I really hate that he committed suicide because I wish he was in jail. Because I wish things were happening to him in jail. I just, I really don't like him. No, as you should not. He is a piece of shit. I actually might hate him more than Casey Anthony. What? I know. But I'm feeling that way right now. Now, Casey Anthony is pissing me the fuck off today, but not as much as this guy. Oh, yeah, for sure. Every day you wake up and you're like, fuck Casey Anthony. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's kind of getting colder now, you know, though it was getting chilly today. And I was like, fucking Casey Anthony. Just (laughs) that's all. Bitch. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Also in his diaries, he made repeated references to a place called Pink Palace. This was a quote-unquote rooming house, like a motel, where Randy Jacobson had stayed and the authorities were able to trace two other victims back to this place. 26-year-old Cheryl Okoro and 38-year-old Maurice Walk were both unfortunate enough to accept offers to come over to Lake's house and their bones were found next to the bunker. 
Jesus. Oh my gosh, that is so terrible. Side note, isn't the Pink Palace also, you've never seen it, Coraline. I think that's the the house that they all live in. Like it's like a big house, but they've separated it into little apartments. And I think it's called the Pink Palace. Well, that sounds adorable. It's very adorable. This sounds, I honestly was worried it was going to be something different than that, than an actual house. Yeah, I kind of thought it was going to be something gross and sexual. Yeah, I did too. I was worried about that. But thankfully, it's a it's a motel by the hour. Yes. Near the cabin, investigators found two intact, mostly skeletal bodies wrapped in sleeping bags. Both appeared to have been gagged and handcuffed, and it was determined that they were shot in the head. The bodies were determined to be Lonnie Bond and Scott Stapley. In the scouring of the property, the investigators discovered 40-plus pounds of crushed and broken bones. They oh were able, God. Yeah, they were able to positively identify the remains of 12 people. The police released photos of 15 of the victims in order to try and get family or friends to come forward and identify them, but they were sure that the identification was going to be impossible because most of the remains had been chopped up into small bits. The state attorney general, John Van de Camp, said that this had become such a big case that it was overwhelming and so gruesome that their computer system hadn't been able to keep up with it. Investigators were able to determine that the 21 women in the photographs were all still alive, which is like amazing, but also fucking creepy because where did they get these pictures and like, why are they up there and were they going to like kidnap these women or what was that about? Yeah, it's so weird. I have no idea. It's, ooh, it gives you chills. It does, but it's like amazing that they were still alive. When I read that, Initially, I was like, I think I teared up. I was just like, oh my God. Because I thought for sure when I when they said they found those pictures, I was like, they're dead. I was, mm-hmm. I mean, because I mean, they've got 25 people in there at least. Oh God. Authorities were sent around to anyone who knew or had contact with Blake and Ink or the victims they knew. They went with pictures of the belongings they found to see if they could get any victims identified. During their investigation, police questioned Clarilyn Blas, but she wouldn't talk until she had a deal for immunity. Fuck Clarilyn Blas. Thank you. She is a trifling bitch, is what she is. Yeah, she is. I just, at first, I was like, poor thing. She did not know what she was getting herself into. And the deeper we dive here, I'm like, you know what? She's a piece of crap. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Wasn't She's expecting myself... What? I didn't expect myself to say crap. I was going for shit, but it just popped out. I don't know. It's like how most normal people are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I said that cuss word. I'm like, I can't believe I said a a normal like five-year-old word. Yeah, exactly. Which our five-year-old is not allowed to say. um, She's a complete piece of duty. Okay. Sometimes that's allowed. It depends on the... Oh my gosh. She's a fart. It's also not allowed. We don't say fart. (laughs) She is not a very nice person. Yes. But I will pray for her. Exactly. She needs Jesus. She claimed that she didn't know anything about the murders, but after the stealing incident, Ing went to her house. So, okay. So remember, the whole thing started when Charles Ing stole that table vice, which like, what the fuck was he even going to do with that? I don't even want to know. Exactly. 
Remember, he threw it into the trunk and then he just ran away. He went on foot to Clara Lynn's house, walked straight to her house. So then she drove him back to the hardware store to check on Leonard, but they saw that he was talking to the police. And so they were like, bye. Yeah, we got to get out of here. And hopefully he'll talk his way out of it. And then he'll just come back here. So they went back and waited for him. They didn't hear from him. So Clara Lynn drove Charles Ng to his apartment and he told her he was going to have to leave town. So she said he mentioned maybe going to Chicago. And she says that's the last time she saw him. He just mentioned Chicago. Now, when the police first went to her house, remember, she's acting like she has no idea what's going on. Yes. Like, and she's she, much too busy. Uh huh. She's too busy and she doesn't give them this information. She's a bitch. After running from the hardware store, Ng had fled the state and later the country. The FBI was brought in when they found he'd fled the state and discovered that a man that matched Ng's description boarded a flight to Chicago under the name Mike Komodo. Turns out, Ng had kept in touch with his former cellmate and called him up. The cellmate drove Ng up to the Canadian border, and that's where they split up. Ng was spotted boarding a bus for Toronto, and he had a sister that lived there. So officers staked out his sister's house, but he never showed up. However, the little klepto got caught stealing in Alberta, Canada. As always, he can't stop. He cannot stop stealing, yeah. Yeah. He got into a wrestling match with the security guard who tried to detain him. And then Ng pulls out a gun and he's like trying to shoot the guy. And they're in this wrestling match over the gun. And he ends up shooting the security guard in the hand. And the security guard still like took him down and waited for the police to arrive, even after being shot in the hand. Like, wow. If I was that security guard, I would be like, oh, I've been shot in the hand. So I'm now out of this fight. Like, can't do any more. Clearly, I've been shot in the hand. Yeah, I quit this job. Yeah, but he was like, eh, eh, I'm holding you down. Like, good for him. Man, loyal to the badge. I know. He was charged with assault with a deadly weapon, shoplifting, and possession of a concealed weapon. Upon learning of his arrest, detectives flew up to Calgary where Ng was being held and questioned him. He gave minimal answers. He literally was like, yes or no. And he pretty much blamed everything on Leonard. Like, obviously, he's dead. I'll pin it all on him. The only thing he would admit to was helping dispose of a couple of the bodies. Authorities in the U.S. wanted to extradite Ng back to California. If you didn't like Charles Ng before, you're going to double super hate him because he is such a little bitch. <laughs> All He spends the whole rest of this time just trying to fight extradition, trying to delay the court proceedings, like doing anything that he can to just, he's just being a little shithead. Like, dude, you did it. Fucking own up to it now. But he just like pulls all these little like, technicality kind of moves, you know, so that he doesn't have to get extradited or whatever. It's like, you can delay extradition all you want. You're going to face trial when you get there. So you might as well just get it mm -hmm. over with. Like, exactly. Whatever. And like, don't do the crime if you don't want to do the time. Exactly. Exactly. And That's also- That's an old family saying. Sure. And you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. Exactly. There you go. He tried to fight it because California had the death penalty, but Canada didn't. 
So there was actually a treaty with Canada that said no one facing the death penalty would be extradited back to the U.S., but there were some exceptions, such as if the prosecutors could prove that Ng was responsible for multiple murders, then Canada would be required to send him back. So Ng was convicted and was given a sentence of four and a half years for the charges in Canada. But the American authorities couldn't even initiate the extradition process until he had finished serving that time. So now they've just got to wait four and a half years. This reminds me of the Shirley Turner, Dear Zachary mm-hmm. case, because it was very, it's a lot of that. And I understand it. It just sucks. But yeah, it's frustrating. Upon his impending release, he was held on an extradition request from the United States for the murders in California. They continued searching for evidence on Lake's property during their wait for Ng, and evidence kept building. Ng caused a great deal of back and forth with motions and things to try to delay or possibly prevent his return to the United States. He was overheard at one point by a guard saying, if you want to delay the process, all you have to do is fire your lawyers. But the Canadian Supreme Court eventually said, basically, like, that's funny, get out. And he was finally sent back to California in 91. So he kept, like, appealing the decision to send him back. And finally, they were like, wasting time, wasting time. Yeah. And they're like, we're hip to your game. Get out of here. Like, shoo, shoo. Once he was back in California, Ng was charged with 12 counts of first-degree murder. However, it wasn't going to be that easy. Ng was going to make this as difficult as humanly possible. He filed motions for better food, a shorter commute from the prison. He complained about his treatment. He filed other pointless motions and things to drain the county of money and cause delays. After his piece of shit. I know. He sucks. After his preliminary hearing, he fired his lawyer and got a new one. The new attorney got the trial moved from Calaveras County to Orange County, and the new guy was given two and a half years to brush up on the case. So he requested two and a half years because he's starting from scratch, and the judge gave it to him. Ng would continue to fire attorneys and in total had 10 attorneys throughout the trial. He sued some of them for malpractice before the trial even began and eventually decided that if you want it done right, you have to do it yourself. So he decided to represent himself, and this delayed the trial again for a year so he could study the laws. Oh, my gosh. But Ng went back and forth on this and tried to get a lawyer back and then said he wanted to defend himself. Then he wanted a different lawyer. It was like all back and forth. Then on April the 20th, 1998, he decided he wanted to defend himself again, but the judge refused. So Ng filed a malpractice charge against previous lawyers. A reporter eventually said, after Ng, California's legal system should be placed on trial. (laughs) This is insane. Alameda County District Attorney Tom Orloff was quoted saying, this is just one of those situations where you have a defendant intent on using every mechanism for delay. In a case like this, the system has to return the same kind of focus to stop it from continuing. Finally, in August of 1998, the judge over the trial was done with Ng shenanigans and reprimanded him for, quote-unquote, playing games within games within games. So, Ng threw a temper tantrum and cursed at the judge. The defense attorney said this was evidence of Ng's mental illness. No. But the prosecution said it was just Ng trying to be manipulative again. Of course. It would be six years from the time he was extradited to the beginning of his trial in October of 1998. Wow. 
I have a question. Okay. He is not a U.S. citizen, right? Right. Why are we doing all this? Like, isn't normally if you're... I, I don't I don't know about this, but if you're not a U.S. citizen, don't don't they just deport you? Yeah, I mean, I've heard of a lot of that. I have no idea what what usually happens. I can understand the California authorities wanting to hold him responsible and accountable for what he had done here because deportation doesn't do anything. Yeah, I guess except that's just true. make him somebody else's problem. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, he would be dangerous no matter where he went. I was just, yeah, wondering the logistics. No, or yeah. If, because he had faked the paperwork or whatever, mm-hmm. if if they thought he was a citizen. I don't know. It's just, it is a lot of money and oh my time gosh. and all this. I just wondered, like, with the citizenship, how that works. Yeah, he wasted a ton of everybody's money. Canadian money, American money, like... <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's such a jerk. I hate him. Mm-hmm. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. During the preliminary hearing and later at the trial, the prosecutor used the videotapes to show what Ng and Lake had done to Kathleen Allen. I remember she was the one who worked at the grocery store and she was told her boyfriend had been shot. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And then she disappeared. As well as the video of Brenda O'Connor, which was the neighbor. In this video, Ng rips off Brenda's shirt and then uses a folding knife to cut off her bra. He tells her, You can cry and stuff like all the rest of them, but it won't do you no good. We're pretty cold-hearted. That's pretty accurate, yeah. However, the prosecution's case was still considered circumstantial. There were only the videotapes linking Ng to the murders, but those didn't cover all the murders, and those videos didn't show any murders. But we know those women are dead. We found Mm -hmm. their remains. On the property. Yeah. And those videos put Ng in direct connection with the murder victims. Mm-hmm. Being tortured. Yes, exactly. I don't, I don't get how that's circumstantial, but okay. Torture and other horrific things, but not murder. The prosecution's strategy was to use overwhelming circumstantial evidence. A former prisoner, Maurice LaBerge, who had been next to Ng in jail in Canada, Testified that to pass the time in prison, Ng would draw these crude cartoons of his crimes and write stories about what happened. He turned over the cartoons and testified to everything in the preliminary hearing. But then he was out on parole and he died in a car accident before the trial started. Terrible. So they lost their like one witness who basically had like a quote unquote confession from Ng. Isn't that crazy? Yes. Ugh. 
During the jury selection phase, Ng got agitated and started showing out, so the judge had him wear an electric stun belt for the rest of the trial. The bailiff was able to trigger the device by remote control if Ng got violent again. It's like basically like a, a shock collar, a bark collar, right? Like, yeah, it's just a belt. Yeah, where you just like hit a button and it stuns them or like shocks them yeah. or something. But Ng is such a little child, like mm-hmm. can't act right. And if, he, if things aren't going his way, then he's going to really show the fuck out and make a fool of himself just to be a little bitch, like just to be annoying. Yeah. Exactly. I hate him. No, he's the worst. During the trial, one of the videotapes that was found at Ng's apartment was rewound, and there was a still of two bodies wrapped up laid across a wheelbarrow. The bodies were very obviously in rigor mortis as they were stiff, and this occurs fairly soon after death, about two to three hours after death, they said. And by 12 to 8 hours, the body is stiff as a board. I'm sorry, 12 to 18 18. hours. Then rigor dissipates after 48 hours. Ng had previously told detectives when they questioned him at Canada that he'd help Lake move the bodies at least 24 hours after, but this was very obviously pretty soon after they were murdered. Also during the trial, they used over 200 pieces of evidence, which were like personal effects from the cabin, bunker, and Ng's apartment, to determine some identities and to link Ng to the murders, as well as 75 witnesses that could prove the things belonged to the victims. For example, Kathleen Allen's body was never found, but she was on the videotape and a bunch of her personal effects were found on the property. And her sister identified a heart-shaped necklace that Kathleen wore all the time. So they bring the necklace in and say, what is this? And she's like, "That she wore that every day, you know? Mm-hmm. The typed letter that Kathleen's manager testified to receiving was apparently a kind of calling card. Many of the victims' family and friends would receive typed letters explaining their absence. These letters were compared, and it was determined that they all came from the same typewriter. Forensic document examiners examined the Olympia typewriter that was in the cabin and determined it was the typewriter used to write all those letters. Unfortunately, it was pretty easy to link the video equipment found in the cabin to Harvey Dubs because Harvey was super organized and had receipts and serial numbers all documented. Some of the video equipment was also found in Ng's apartment. This is not, this is not circumstantial to me. Like, Mm-mm. if we look at any other serial killers, even if they don't find the bodies or whatever, if they find personal effects. Yeah, if they find personal effects of of this victim and we know the victim is deceased, nobody saw them murder this person, but they have their stuff and they're dead. Like, and we know they're linked to the place where they their bodies are found. Mm-hmm. I mean, in this case, we even have him torturing them. How is this not? Yeah, I was going to say like they definitely explain the like other serial killers they get a trial that is not considered circumstantial evidence with a lot less than they have in this case. And they're still like, well, I mean, we can't really know for sure. We're going to call it circumstantial evidence because it's not like concrete evidence. In what way is this not concrete? Yeah, I guess the difference could be that in this case, we have two perpetrators. So I don't know if we look at like a Ted Bundy or an Ed Kemper or whatever, there's not a second person that they could be like, well, he's the one that killed everybody. But still, you had full knowledge of it. If two teenagers can go rob 
a grocery store or a bar or whatever, one of them sits in the car, the other one goes inside and happens to shoot somebody inside, and the kid in the car can get charged with first-degree murder, this has to be more than that. Like, yeah, you know? I, I don't know. I don't know either. Since their main witness, LaBerge, died before the main murder trial, the prosecution argued to have the preliminary testimony transcripts read into evidence. The defense, of course, objected to this, but the judge let it happen, which is, I mean, they should. Like, it's, he testified to it. They, and it's not like he decided, I don't want to testify anymore. He was taken out of the game, not by choice. Exactly. The defense also predictably tried to disparage LaBerge's testimony by pointing out that he had been a convict multiple times and that the deal that was struck with him was for him to go into witness protection, so he received $30,000. LaBerge also had $20,000 cash in his car when he crashed, so it was implied that he was basically paid for his testimony and would do anything for money. This hurt the prosecution. Okay, the- so if we're going on... LaBerge is like, okay, we can't really trust him because he's a criminal and he did this for money. Um, We're supposed to trust Ink? Yeah, but also remove LaBerge completely. We have plenty here. Exactly. He's not the only thing tying Ink to these crimes. This is what really drives me crazy in any kind of case that we've covered where the defense attacks. I'm not going to say that LaBerge was an innocent bystander by any means, but they attack people's characters and do smear campaigns. And that's just not necessary. And it's it's not fair, I don't think. You know, like... Yeah, and like also on the flip side of that, I don't... I mean, I guess I know that prosecution is like, okay, well, the jury is really going to want like a confession. They're going to want an eyewitness of some sort or whatever. They're going to want DNA or whatever. And we don't have a lot of that. But I still feel like there's plenty here. We don't need to go pay somebody... $30,000 and we don't need to be striking deals with freaking Clarilyn Balaz, who clearly knew more than she was saying. Like, mm-hmm. you have enough there, I think. Right. The defense also spent their time making Lake the monster and pinning it all on him. They called witnesses that testified to Lake's twisted sexual fantasies and interest in human sacrifice and none of these witnesses had ever seen Ng. They tried to use excerpts from Lake's diary and strategically left out parts that included Ng, but the judge threw that out. The edited diary was another attempt to show that Lake was the mastermind and Ng was just the whipping boy that Lake bossed around. They also tried to point the finger at Balaz as an accomplice, anywhere but at Ng. Balaz had admitted that she had helped Lake bring women to the house. She's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. When it's she, like the toy box killer, man. Exactly. When she was called to testify, the defense attorney read the immunity agreement to the jury. It stated that she would have total immunity, murder, attempted murder, aiding and abetting murder, theft, and receipt of stolen property, everything. And then the defense attorney just sat down. He didn't ask her any questions while she was up there. And since he didn't, the prosecution couldn't ask her any questions. She was excused without answering a single question. The point was to apparently make it look as though she had something to hide. But she did. Mm-hmm. But that still doesn't take Ng out of the equation. That just adds another person no. to this fucked up equation. <laughs> like Exactly. The defense also played the tapes of Lake musing on his fantasies. On the tape, Lake is in his recliner. He, ugh, I hate him. 
describing his plans for his sex slaves. In the tapes, he says, what I want is an off-the-shelf sex partner. I want to be able to use a woman any way I want. And when I'm tired or say she is or bored, I simply want to be able to put her away. That's possible. Like, Mm -hmm. there's options for stuff. You know, you could get a sex doll. You could purchase the services of a sex worker. Like, you, but what he wanted to do was murder people. That's the problem. Like, he won't say that. Them. Yeah, that's what he wanted to do. That's not, don't say you just want to be able to have sex with, like, if you want to be able to have sex without a relationship and just bang when you want and not have to deal with anything else, there's options for that. But that's not what's happening here. So shut exactly. up. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The defense rested their case and the prosecution did their closing. Then Ng, right then and there, filed a handwritten motion that he wanted to testify on his own behalf. When the lawyers tried to convince him that this was a terrible idea, he threatened to fire them. So against their advice, Ng testified on January 7, 1999. The defense started out trying to prove that LaBerge had lied. He said that he had helped to imprison Kathleen Allen and Brenda O'Connor, but he didn't intend to hurt or kill them. Really? What were you thinking that that was going to happen? Yeah, because he even said the words, and he's on tape saying it, if you try to cry or whatever, that's not going to help you. We're pretty cold-hearted. Like, what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. He said he didn't tell LaBerge any of those things. When asked if he killed or intended to kill any of the people he was being charged with murdering, he said he hadn't. They went over every single statement Ng said to LaBerge and to everyone Ng denied saying it. They did this for hours. The... <laughs> That's just going to bore the jury. Like, you're not helping. Yeah. They're probably like, we were at the end of this, and now you're like that person at the end of the meeting when our boss is like, does anybody have any questions? And you're like, if you raise your hand, I'm going to murder you. And they're like, I yes. have, I actually have a question. That's him. It's a lengthy question. Well, and this is, this is a tactic that, I mean, I've heard about narcissistic personalities doing this where they try to exhaust the conversation to where you give up and you don't care anymore. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I feel like that's what he's doing. And it's just very on brand for Ing to just be like a little bitch and just make everybody miserable because yes. he can. Yep. 100%. They address the videotapes and Ing telling Brenda that it's Better that her baby is dead. Yeah, there's two children in this too. This is horrible. He said that he said all the things in the heat of the moment, and he didn't even know he said it until the transcripts, which were typed up word for word and presented to the court. The prosecution used the transcript to catch Ing and lies. They pointed out that Ing told the Barrage things that weren't on the written transcript, but that he previously stated he remembered and that LaBerge couldn't have known without Ng telling him, such as the handcuffs clicking. The prosecution also set out to prove that Ng was a willing participant, the cutting off of the clothes, telling Lake that there's a gun on the table, etc. He said he told Lake that the gun was there in case Kathleen tried to get it and shoot them. Yeah, okay. Why do you need a gun on a table? (laughs) Exactly. She's handcuffed and has shackles on her legs. She showed that he was a willing participant and that occasionally he even directed Lake. The defense's closing said that on those tapes, you don't see Ng murder anyone. Sure, he does other terrible things, but there isn't a murder on the tapes. (laughs) 
That's classic. <laughs> yeah, that's, oh my God, I can't. The jury deliberated for weeks. Why? I'm so, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just jaded at this point, but like, what is happening here? The prosecution thought this was a bad side for them since their case was mostly based on circumstantial evidence. I just, I don't know. It's pretty (laughs) cut and dry to me. I just, I don't know. Well, yeah, again, you see the tapes. You see even the defense agrees, okay, because it's there in black and white or whatever. They're probably in color. You see him on the tapes doing terrible things. Sure, maybe not, he didn't murder them on tape. But then... Subsequently, after that, these missing people are never found again, and you find bone fragments in their bodies. What do you think happened? Yeah, and he's, before this, torturing them on videotape. Like, exactly. Like, that doesn't prove anything. All it proves is that he fucking did it. Yeah, like, okay, if somebody, if you know somebody was kidnapped and tortured, and then they were found murdered on the property where this guy was always there, and he's on video being at this property. Yes. You're not allowed, I maybe maybe nobody knows this in California. You're not allowed to kidnap and torture people. That's actually against the law. And then when they come up dead, okay, and you have all their shit at your house, I mean, you're not going to kidnap and torture somebody and then be like, okay, you have a nice day now. Please don't tell anybody yeah. about this. That was fun. <laughs> Let's do it again sometime. Yeah, I'll call you next week. Like, no, that doesn't happen. What the fuck? Because of the delays and motions and all that, the trial was considered to be one of the longest and most expensive trials in California history. But on February 24th, 1999, Ng was finally found guilty of 11 out of the 12 murders. The charges for Paul Costner were dropped because the jury was deadlocked and sentenced to death. Why? A motion was filed in an attempt to reduce the sentence, but the judge said absolutely not, which thank God. In the end, it took 14 years to get Ng convicted from the time he was first caught stealing the vice in 1985, and California ended up paying an estimated $20 million to prosecute him. That amount continues to increase because of appeals, and he's using tax dollars living in jail. Charles Ng is currently awaiting execution in San Quentin. Oh, he's hanging out with uh, Scott Peterson. No execution date has been set still, and this guy is filing appeals. No executions have taken place in California since 2006, and in 2019, the California governor, Gavin Newsom, signed an executive order halting the death penalty. This granted 737 death row inmates, including Ng, with a reprieve. Newsom said, the intentional killing of another person is wrong, and as governor, I will not oversee the execution of any individual. Our death penalty system has been, by all measures, a failure. He also said, I do not believe that a civilized society can claim to be a leader in the world as long as its governor continues to sanction the premeditated and discriminatory execution of its people. I think there's a lot of feelings on the death penalty, I know. I just feel like, should Charles Ng be a person that was executed, I don't think I would lose any sleep. Yeah, I mean, just again. Right. It's super, super cut and dry. It's super obvious that he did all of these terrible things, committed a ton of murders, did not have any remorse for any of it. And all he wanted to do after he was caught was just make everybody miserable, 
because he got caught. Like he is a waste of human space. There is no yeah. point to him. No, he totally is. Yeah. It just, it would. Now, I think one wrongful execution is too many, you know? Oh, absolutely. Just, and that's the yeah. thing. Yeah. You, you have slope. to be, yeah, you have to be 100% correct 100% of the time. Just Charles Ng, I can do without him. I'm not. Yeah, specifically, uh, we, I think nobody would really be upset about no. This executive order is in effect throughout Newsom's time as governor, so the next governor could revoke it, but for now it's unknown if or when Ng's sentence will be carried out. Other notorious prisoners on death row in California include Lonnie David Franklin Jr., the grim sleeper, Rodney Alcala, the dating game killer, Carrie Stainer, killed four women in five months near Yosemite National Park, Scott Peterson, of course, Richard Allen Davis, who killed Polly Class, Marcus Wesson, who killed nine of his children who he'd fathered with his wife, nieces, and daughters. Police found the women and children's bodies piled on top of each other in their rooms. Jesus. Okay, we can do without him too. Joseph James D'Angelo, who's accused of being the Golden State Killer. So that's the case. Thanks again to Jamie Lovinger for requesting it. And thank you to Sloan for researching it. Absolutely. And, you know, we will catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening, and we will meet you back here next week. Bye. The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloan Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Visit us at KillerQueensPodcast.com for merch and other info about the show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 